0: So if you don't know, I have a kindergartner named Caleb. And yesterday, Caleb and my niece, who was also in kindergarten, they were waiting for my wife to come back with lunch. So the way that my kids specifically work is there's no, there's no medium ground of like just being hungry. They're always starving. They've never ate before, and if they don't eat soon, they're going to die. So when my wife came in, Caleb ran to the door, and he was like, Mom, you got my Wendy's. She was like, Yeah, I got your Wendy's, Caleb. And he said, Mom, I love you more than any person I have ever met in my life. (laughs) So he would go through like this high, and then he would come back down. He was like, Mom, I love you more than anybody I've ever met in my life, but do you have my nuggets? She was like, I have my I have your nuggets. And he said, Mom, I'm like, you are the most beautiful person I have ever seen. But do you have my ranch? She said, Caleb, I have your ranch. She said, Mom, I love you more. I mean, I, I love you more than I love my dad. But do you have my lemonade? And she says, Caleb, I have your lemonade. And he says, Mom, I love you more than Jesus. And we were like, Whoa. Whoa, Caleb. I said, Caleb, man, you can't love your mom more than you love me. (laughs) And loving her more than Jesus, that's that's blasphemy. And and, and Candace said, Caleb, I mean, Jesus is your shepherd. And my my niece, Aria, she said, but did you get my Wendy's? (laughs) And Candace said, yeah, babe, I got your Wendy's. And she said, well, then you're my shepherd. And I was like, man, what is in this Wendy's? <laughs> but it hit me. It hit me right then. I was, I, I was actually on the other side of the couch preparing for my sermon and just listening. And it came to my, my, my thought process that our Savior has become our wants and our needs. Our shepherd has become our hunger. Everything that she said that Caleb needed and wanted, it just made him love her more. And this is why Jesus says, you can't love more than one thing at a time. You can't have two masters. This is why it says in Psalms, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I've said this before, but like what he's truly saying in that translation is, when the Lord is my shepherd, when the Lord is all that I want, then common sense, I don't want Or need anything else. I'm going to jump straight to our first point. My first point is that you're in need. Let's acknowledge that. Let's acknowledge the fact that every last one of us has a need. But what are we filling that need with? Let's get to the scripture. Scripture for the day is Philippians chapter 1. Obviously, we are in the Philippians series, and my duty today is to read verses 12 through 25 or 26. It's one or the other. Um, I'm going to concentrate on verses 12 through 14. It says, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually advanced the gospel. So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to everyone else that my imprisonment is because I am in Christ. Most of the brothers have gained confidence in the Lord from my imprisonment and dare even more to speak the word fearlessly. I'm going to read it from the Amplified version. It says, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me, what was meant to stop me, has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my change, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear Now, sixteen years ago, I went to jail, and <laughs> it's actually a very funny story. Anybody who knows me knows I'm a very picky eater, like I really. Don't like to eat a whole lot of stuff. And if anybody here has ever been to jail before, they don't give you the a la carte option. So uh, the first morning I wake up, I go downstairs and you can smell the food. I don't mean that in a Waffle House way. And um, they give you duties. And my duty the first morning that I woke up was to mop the floor. But I could see where the food was. So, Jeremy, I just mop my way. To where the food was. And they had the, the the meals on these really raggedy trays, but it had this plastic covering over top so you could see what was inside of the tray. And I could see that there was eggs. I could see that there was jello. And I could see that there was bread. So in my thought process, I was like, you know, this is a very weird combination of food. However, I'm starving. I haven't, I haven't ate. I didn't eat last night. Um, and 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 when they uncover this dish, I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna do what I do. So when they did uncover the dish, it wasn't Jello, Jeremy. <laughs> I have no clue what it was. It was purple and it had the shine of Jello, but it looked more textury like oatmeal or or mashed potatoes and gravy. But it was purple, and the eggs actually shook like jello and the bread was hard enough to cut whatever the purple thing was so i just didn't eat and if anybody here has ever seen the movie life there's a part in the movie where the dude says you going to eat your cornbread and literally as i came to the assumption that i'm not going to eat what's on this plate the guy across from me must have understood He's not going to eat that. So this dude, as big as Jeremy, gets up and says, you going to eat that. And I knew right then, if I give him my food, I'm not going to eat for the rest of the time that I'm here. He's going to take my food every day. But I looked at his arms. I looked at my arms. And I just decided, I'm just going to fast while I'm in here. So I give him my food. After we get done eating, after he eats, they take us outside. Now, for some of you, 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 you might not know this. You Malone people might not like to hear it. But I actually was a scholarship basketball player for Walsh. So I had a little bit of game uh, at this point in time of my life. And when we get outside, let me, let me, let me tell you what they gave us to wear. Um, there weren't Yeezys. Let me let me start there. It was like paper wrapped in a cardboard cereal box with uh, razor blades for the thong part of the sandal. So that's what I had on my feet. But when we get outside, the dude who took my food came and asked me, you know, why are you here? Who are you? What do you do? And I told him, like, you know, I'm in town. I was driving without a license, without insurance. And uh, I'm a preferred walk-on at Bowling Green State. And he was like, oh, okay, so you can hoop. All right, so this is what we're going to do. I'm going to bet on you, and you're going to play these dudes in the yard. So I played three games, and what we've come to the conclusion of, me and this gentleman, is while I'm locked up, I'll get to eat off of the snacks that he wins in this game. What I realized was I was so hungry and I was so in need that now I've become his fan duel. I'm his draft kings. like he's just betting on the over, over and under over me, Jeremy, every, every opportunity he can get. But I was so in need that I didn't have any choice. What the tempter wants is he wants us to be so in need that we're not really caring about the consequences of anything that happens going forward. What the tempter came to do is he came to take advantage of our need. Think about it. What was Jesus' first issue? After his ministry began, the Bible says the Holy Spirit led him to the wilderness, and he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and then he began to be in what? In need. The Bible says he hungered. So what did the tempter do? He began to tell him, like, I know what you need. Just go ahead and turn this stone into bread I know what you need I know where you want to be let me take you to this high place I know what you need there's a temple that I can take you to and I can give you let me let me fulfill your needs but Jesus was focused But what was he focused on? Was he focused on his need? No, he was focused on his purpose. This is the reason why he continuously gave him the word of God, because he knew what his purpose was. And his purpose was more important than his need. The enemy wants us to be in need. He wants our need to change our focus, because once we're focused on what we need. Our focus will change to what we lack. And it'll allow for us to be in a prison. So where's Paul at right now? Paul is in prison. Now, prison is meant to be a space of need. Uh, There's actually eight different Greek words for the word prison in the New Testament. And in Latin, it means to prehend. And, And the foundation of the word prison, it literally means to stop production so that you cannot be used. Stop production So that you cannot be used. Think about why we put people in prison today, because whatever it is that they're producing, we want it to stop. We want them to no longer be able to use whatever it is that they're using. So we put them on what we call today prison. Paul was in prison and the first thing he said in verse 12 is the thing that they did to me, the thing that's happening to me that was expected to stop my what? My production. The thing that that was supposed to make me weak, the thing that was supposed to make me hungry, the thing that was supposed to make me lose focus, the thing that was supposed to make me stop thinking about my purpose. It didn't. It actually is only advancing the gospel. Why? Because Paul was focused on his purpose. This is why it's amazing that Jesus didn't focus on his need. So why is Paul even writing to the Philippians? There's a guy named Ephroditus. We'll we'll learn about him uh, with whoever it is that has chapter four of Philippians when we get there. But uh, Ephroditus would, would have been the guy that was the messenger that was supposed to come give Paul what he needed why would Paul be in need? Because the Roman prisons are not like today's prison. So this is what Paul would have actually went through. He probably would have sat in prison for about two years before he actually got to see someone. And then when he actually got to see someone, that person would have given him a customary sentence of another two years. So he would have been in prison for four years for what? For advancing the kingdom of God, for being a prisoner in Christ. Paul's issue, however, is the fact that the Roman uh, the Roman government never gave you anything but a place to die. They didn't feed Paul. So without the church, without his family, without his friends, Paul would die in prison. This is what most people did during this period of time when they were caught doing something or whatever the case may be. They just died in prison because no one had enough to actually take care of themselves at home and take care of you in prison. What does the enemy want to do, Rise? He wants to put us in a place to die with the expectation that we will go to this place and just be by ourselves, become individuals struggling with the prison that we have become in because we've come to, a rec- uh, we've come to recognize that we're not producing anymore. We're not being used anymore. Uh-huh. So where does Philippi come in? They come in when they send Aphrodite and they bring him his clothes. They bring him his food. They bring him the things that he needs so that he can stay focused. So that we have acknowledged the fact that we have a need. But what does Paul want us to know when he says, that which was meant to stop me has only advanced the gospel. What is it that God has to give us in order for us to be able to walk strong, stand tall in a prison? Look at your neighbor and say, even in prison. Which brings me to my second step. We've acknowledged that we have a need. But now let's acknowledge the fact that he has what you need in his plans. When I say he, I'm talking about God. So why was I in jail? I'm sure you're wondering. I used to uh, have this Pontiac Bonneville. It had uh, 18 inch rims, candy paint, purple. We had these nice tenant windows. That's how I met my wife. I pulled up on her. The rims was glistening, spinning as I stopped. I stopped, Patrick, but the rims kept spinning. But I didn't have a license or insurance. And when you have a car that's this drug dealer-ish, and you get pulled over once, In a town as small as Bowling Green, they know every time that they see the car, it's you. And if they just pulled you over on Tuesday, mom, if today's Thursday, you probably don't have a license, probably don't have insurance. So I got pulled over about five times, literally. And the fourth time that I got pulled over and I went to court, the judge said, hey, I don't think you get it. (laughs) This is illegal. So the next time I see you, I'm going to put you in jail for 90 days. Let's just say this was Monday. I get pulled over on Tuesday. <laughs> and when I get pulled over on Tuesday, they put on my ticket, your court date is on Friday. So I'm like, dang, they can lock me up for 90 days on Friday. On Thursday night, get pulled over again. So I said to myself, I'm going to get out and run. So I get out and run. Now, mind you, I am a Division I athlete. There's not a police officer on this side of the Mississippi that's going to catch me in a foot race. So I got away. But they took my car. So inside of my car was my wallet, picture of my girlfriend, and my address. So they went to my girlfriend's house. Looking for Katie. Wasn't there, though. I was at D.O.'s. I know how they work. Not going to catch me slipping. So I call the police station and I tell them, hey, somebody stole my car. I've been out of town for weeks. I've been out of town for weeks, baddie. And when I came back home, my car was gone. So if you guys can just point me in the right direction, I'll come down and I'll pick that thing up. They said, "Uh, is this Kenny Thomas? I said, it surely is. They said, yeah, we got it. Come on down and get it. So I said, I got him. So I showed up and I came to the window and I said, yeah, you guys got my car? They said, yeah, we got it. So two police officers walked in front of this window. And when I turned around, as many people as in this room, it was that many police officers standing behind me. So Dio Dio was standing right there, and all the other police officers were standing behind me. And I was like, which one of you guys take me to my car? He said, put your hands behind your back, sir. (laughs) So, (laughs) So they took me to jail. You guys already know I was in there hooping like Chris Paul, trying to survive and eat. So I'm in jail. I'm a flight risk. So when I see the judge, he's not trying to let me go home. He wants me to wait because I got the charge for fleeing and eluding. I got a charge for lying to the police officers and telling them that uh, it wasn't me. And I still got the three driving without license and insurances that I was already in trouble for in the first place. So I'm in jail for a second. So when I see the judge, I come to this realization that he has what I need. If he can just give a brother a little slack, I can go home. I want to pick up where our pastor left off last week. He said, we need joy. Check this out. There's eight different words for joy. In the New Testament. And guess what the foundation of the word for joy is? It's the same in reverse as the foundation for the word for prison. Prison was meant to stop you from producing and stop you from being used. Joy is meant to make you produce and give you the ability to be able to be used. Paul says that what happened to him was meant to stop his production it was also meant to stop his joy but it actually increased his joy because those who are around him knew that he was in prison for christ and that those who who, who had the ability to to follow his lead actually dare to be even more bold Corey said i wrote it down specifically joy is not found in the circumstantial he said joy is not found in the situation but joy is found in what is eternal and what is eternal is the work that God is doing in you and through you he said he trusted God with his life he trusted God's will for our ministry but he didn't trust God with his joy He said he trusted that through his exhaustion, through his pain, through all of the things that he was going through. Through his prison, per per se, that God would use him for the advancement of the kingdom of God. But he didn't trust that a natural byproduct of that would be him being joyful. He said he thought that he would always suffer. Paul said, I've learned how to abase I've learned how to abound. I've learned how to have little and I've learned how to have a lot. But what I've learned is that no matter whether I have little or whether I have a lot, that God is the reason that I am strong. He is the reason he is the way that I get through. We have gotten to a place to where we've turned God into our genie. And we pick up our Bible and we try to rub the side and see if we can open it up and find a scripture that will be able to take care of each and every one of our needs. Because we've come to a place where we're hungry or we're weak or we've lost focus or we're in a prison. But when are we going to get to a place to where we're like Paul? And even though I'm in a prison, I'm not going to allow for that to change my purpose. What is more important in your life right now? What you need or what God wants. When joy is absent, it is easy for the enemy to keep you in a prison. It's easy for him to keep you from producing. It's it's easy for him to keep you from being used. What I realized through my studies this week is that I was in jail for what I did that night, but I was in prison way before I ever went to jail because I wasn't producing. I wasn't doing anything that was actually beneficial to the kingdom of God. Corey said, He was finally reaping his harvest, finally reaping joy, but he was reaping joy at the busiest moments of his life. He said he was he was reaping joy at a time when he was still in need. God didn't give him relief in the presence of change. He gave him joy in the midst of production. I don't know about you, but I can quickly get in my feelings. I can quickly get into my feelings when I'm in need. Yes, sir. And my wants and my needs can become my savior. I can, I can become like, like Caleb where I, I start to look at my job as my savior as my shepherd start to look at my bank account as 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 my as my savior as my shepherd start to look at my wife as as my savior as my shepherd i can start to lose my purpose and start to lose my focus when i don't realize that the joy that i have is only a joy that i can receive not when i am doing what i need to do and what i want to do but when i am doing something that is actually beneficial to the kingdom of god when is the last time that you had true joy not happiness True joy. Our huddle was having this conversation last week between the difference of hope and faith. And I was coming to a, a thought process that hope in today's uh, society, is it's become a feeling. And, and faith is our belief. Our feeling is affecting our belief nowadays. Our thought process. It's starting to affect our production. Our needs are becoming a problem for our love. Is it possible for us to put Romans 5 up here? Is it too late? Can you put it in an amplified version? Asking for a lot, ain't I? We've we've, We've turned hope into a feeling. Oh, I don't know what verse. I know it's in Romans five. Give me a second. I'll have you out of here before the Super Bowl starts. Don't worry. Let's start with verse one. Is that the amplifier? I get no amplifier. I need the amplifier. (laughs) all right it says therefore since we have been justified by faith justified that's what a true judge can do remember i told you how that judge could tell me whether i was innocent or guilty but what he couldn't do was change my heart when you are justified by god what he does is he tells you yeah i know you're guilty but i'm going to make you innocent and i'm going to give you the ability to actually walk away from this and never do it again why by faith so we have been justified by the fact that we believe that Jesus Christ has died for our sins. And because of that, we've been given what? Peace with who? Now, how many of us have been angry at him? So say I had to walk all the way to the other one. Because we don't know that we've been made innocent, we don't have peace. It's not that we don't believe that he died for our sins, but we have forgotten the fact that Jesus died for our sins so that he could justify us. He died for us so that he can become our lawyer. He died for us so that when we would go to court and we would stand in front of the judge and we're standing there knowing that we're guilty. He can stand up and say, before you you hit that gavel, before you tell them that they are guilty and they are deserving of everything, look at my back. Look at my hands. Don't forget, God, look at my feet. Yeah, they're guilty. There's a crime that they've done, and they deserve the punishment, but don't forget you've already given it to me. So when we see that, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have also obtained access through him by faith into what? Grace, which means that last time that we did it doesn't mean that now our relationship is messed up. In that grace, we stand and we boast in what? Hope. Not a feeling. But hope is connected to your faith. Hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we also boast in our afflictions. We boast in our sufferings. We boast in our prison. This is the reason why Paul was in verse 12 not going from a thanksgiving to a funeral. He went from a thanksgiving and a greeting to a don't worry about me. I know the reason why you sent Aphrodite. But don't bring Aphrodite to me thinking that I'm the one in need. No, I'm writing you a letter because you're in need. Because you don't understand your peace you don't understand your faith you don't you don't understand that you've been justified but because i understand i can be in a prison and still preach i I can be in a prison and still worry about your needs and not mine's I didn't I didn't send you a letter asking you for more clothes or more food or can you change the laws or can you reach out to the judge? I I didn't ask for a reference so you can go tell him how good I am so I don't get my prison. No, let me tell you how good God is and how all the people around me can see how good God is because how I act in my prison. How are you acting in your prison? Because we know that afflictions produce endurance. Endurance produces proven character. Proven character produces what? Not a feeling. Hope. This hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. For while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Where's my phone at? Let me tell you what it's saying. Amplify verse 5. And hope does not disappoint us. Such hope in God's promises never disappoints. Because God's love has been abundantly poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Check this out. Step three. Even in prison. Being, being in prison is tough. Being in jail, it ain't, ain't no joke. Paul was in prison, and, and, and he didn't try to, like, sugarcoat how he felt. If you look at verse 22 through 25 of Philippians chapter 1, he says, if I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. And I do not know which I prefer. I am hard pressed between the two. What he's talking about is living or dying. Yeah, it, it, it's tight to be here, but I'm in prison. I don't mind doing the will of God, but I'm in jail. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary for you is what he said in verse 24 even though it would be far better for me to die? Because to live is Christ, but to die is actually the only thing that's going to make me better. I would rather live in prison, going through all the things that I'm going through for your benefit. How many of us are so worried about ourselves that we can't think about somebody else's benefit? Because I am convinced of this, verse 25, I know that I will remain and continue with all of you for your progress and joy and faith so that I may share abundantly in your boasting in Jesus Christ when I come to you again. All I want to do is get out of prison. Not so that I am out of prison, but so I can see how you are behaving because of everything that I've went through in my prison. Are you worried about your prison or are you worried about everything else? Joy. Springs from faith. True joy is attended with faith. It's it's, it's attached to faith. If Jesus was a teacher and joy and faith were students and Jesus was taking attendance, if Jesus said joy, faith would raise his hand. The enemy's hope since the beginning is to slip in while we're in need. Slip in and make us lose focus. Slip in and make us not produce. Slip in and make us lose our hope and our joy. Because eventually, if you live life without joy, your faith is going to diminish. In your prison, your spirit has turned from worrying about your production to worrying about your freedom. Because the enemy has, 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 has convinced you that you can't do this while you're in prison. But my, 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 my last thing that I, I want to tell you before I leave is why not? Why not in prison? When's the last time you've been in the middle of hell and said, Lord, why not right now? Not take me out of hell, but while I'm here, why not advance your kingdom? Why not in the storm? Why not in the chains? Why not? Why not in the prison? Why not in the midst of your enemies? If all things are to work together for your good, then what part of the prison is not all things? Why not while you broke? Why not? Why not while you exhausted? Why not while you're angry? Why not while the marriage is struggling? Why not? Why not? Why not while your child is not listening? Why not while your job is a struggle? Why not when you're sleepy and can't, why not? Why not in the darkness when you are the light? Why not in the sickness? Why not in the pain? Why not right after the doctor said what he said? Why not? Why not at the funeral? Why not on the way to church? Why not while in church? Why not when you leave church? Why not in the midst of the bigotry? Why not? Why not while they're hating on you? Why not while they're racist? Why, why not while they're, while they're mad because you're a woman and you're And Why not? Am <laughs> I chasing freedom or purpose? There were so many times that I was free but in chains because I didn't know that my purpose was just to produce. My joy is not attached to something tangible. It's attached to something eternal. Woo! Living for something that is earthly is only going to take your joy away. This is why he says your treasure must be in heaven. Your testimony, your testimony, your testimony doesn't stop in your prison. Your praise doesn't stop in your prison. Your blessings don't stop when you're in prison. This is why in Acts 16, you see Paul in jail behind bars. But this is why in Philippi, you see Paul in jail connected to a body. I'm going to say this. I'm going to walk out of here one more time. Paul was in Acts 16, and they put him in jail behind bars because they thought that the bars could stop him. But at midnight, he was praising. At midnight, he couldn't stop telling people how good God was. Then it says that an earthquake happened. And he was released from his prison. So the next time they locked him up, they said he's too cold for the bars. So this time when I lock him up, I'm going to connect him to another human being. So the, the the Paul that we see in Philippi, he would have had chains connected from his arm to another soldier. This way no earthquake can stop him. But what did he say in verse 12? He said, that which was sent to stop me. And Stop what God has for me has only advanced the gospel. What are you saying, KT? There's nothing that the enemy can do to stop what God has for you.